In the Fund for Teachers universe, September is very significant. Our grant recipients are back from their fellowships, back in their classrooms, and reporting back to us about what they learned and how their students will now learn differently as a result. September is also the month before we open our grant applications for the upcoming year. We begin marketing the opportunity to teachers and districts, collaborating with our local partners to cast a wider net for applicants, and let more teachers know about the opportunity to design their best version of experiential learning with $5,000 as an individual or $10,000 as a team. So with these bookends in mind, we wanted to produce a series of podcasts, one per week, that highlights the learning of our fellows over the past summer in a way that hopefully encourages potential applicants about what is possible should they choose to take a risk, take the time, and make the effort to apply for a 2022 fellowship grant or, for previous Fund for Teachers fellows, an Innovation Circle grant. Because Rashawn James was awarded one of each of these grants, she's the perfect person to kick off our series. Welcome to Fund for Teachers, the podcast. I'm Carrie Caton, and the goal of each episode is to elevate teachers as the inspiring architects of their careers, classrooms, and school communities. Today, we're learning from Rashawn James, a 15-year teaching veteran who holds a bachelor's degree in middle school childhood education, a master's degree in educational literacy, and teaches at Mifflin Middle School in Columbus, Ohio. Last summer, Rashawn used an Innovation Circle grant to attend classes at the Anahata Education Retreat Center in Floyd, Virginia, where she learned research-based tools to support the mental health and social-emotional learning of her students. Three years prior, she used a fellowship grant to film a teaching documentary exploring events surrounding the French Revolution in Paris, and she also incorporated the lives and works of Jane Austen, Charles Dickens, and the Bronte sisters from the same time period in London. In both of her proposals, she tossed in some surprising thoughts on race, equity, and her opinion that London and Paris go together like Jay-Z and Beyonce. I began our conversation the same way that I do each visit with our guest on this podcast. Why did you become a teacher? I did not want to be anything else. So when I went to kindergarten, I just loved everything about being a teacher. I loved how my teacher dressed. I loved just school supplies. I still am obsessed with them. My mom did not know that my younger sister, when she ended up going to kindergarten, she already knew how to read. Because I came home and taught her everything I knew. My mom, she was a single mom and she would get so, so frustrated with my brother. Like, I'm not helping him with his homework. Somebody come down here and help him. And I was the one that could always help him. I was firm. Don't get me wrong. I had to be firm with him because, but I just loved that aspect. I love teaching. I love kids. I think they're hilarious. I love middle school. The place where everybody else is, everyone's afraid of middle school. I don't know why. I wanted to do something I was good at and I wanted to do what I loved doing. And so that's why I'm, that's why I wanted to be a teacher. It was truly a calling that you had from, from early, early on. Right. So you have an undergraduate degree and then a graduate degree in education. Mm -hmm. Yes. And then how long have you been teaching? 15 years. How did you hear about fund for teachers? So I always do a big theme for the year. So one year, um, the theme was don't judge a book by its movie. So we did this whole theme of books that were movies and we just slammed the movies the whole time. Like that didn't happen. And I would just let the kids get super angry about, you know, about it. 
And so we did that all year long. And so I was telling um, someone that I'm going to do this theme. I want to do this theme about revolutions. And I want the kids to be able to see that um, this was when Black Lives Matter was really just kind of starting to become popular. It was really when it was becoming popular for my kids. They were really starting to understand it. We watched 13th, this really awesome documentary on Netflix. Sure, I've got uh, questions. I wrote the whole thing and made questions and a lesson around it for my kids. And so I said, I want them to understand that Black people definitely have been through struggles, but we're not the only race and we're not the only people who have ever really just needed to revolt. And how do you revolt? Why do people revolt? So I have always been obsessed with Paris. I've always been obsessed with the French. And the only way I know how to describe it is somehow, some way this book found me. I would have never picked up a book called Revolutions. Like who would pick up that book? So I picked up the book and I started reading it. And it was about a girl whose brother had just passed away. My brother had just passed away. And I thought I was like, the way she described it, she felt like she was going to die from her, from the pain. And that's exactly how I felt. So I'm reading this book by Jennifer Donnelly. I fell in love with it. And I just mentioned it to this teacher and she was like, you should apply for this grant I applied for. You did that last year. You did that the year before. You're always doing this thing. You should do that and think about something you want to do. And as soon as she said it, I go, I would, I know exactly what I would do. I would go to Paris. I would go to London. I would do something around the classics. I I mean, it just like blurted it all out. So she told me about it and I wrote it and I was just, it it was, it was another thing. Like one of those moments I knew this was where I was supposed to do and where I was supposed to be. So one of the things that was very compelling about your proposal is that uh, I'm going to read this because I, I, I love the way that you put it. You said, I teach a seventh grade class of 97% black kids in a predominantly black community. The unwritten Mm -hmm. rule is that we teachers should read books by black authors with black main characters and with situations, settings, or history that seem relatable to black children. As an inner city school teacher and a former black kid myself, I can Mm -hmm. surely understand the value of this concept. I just happen to totally disagree, totally, completely, entirely, utterly, wholly disagree. Yes. Amen. I think that's, that's pretty adamant. And I would love to hear why. Because it's like, I am obsessed with African-American culture and literature. I read Cicely Tyson's book just um, a couple of months ago. I felt like I was about to levitate off the ground. It was so good. I feel like every black woman should read it. I'm obsessed with Frederick Douglass. My daughter, she's eight. And I, we watched the Harriet Tubman movie probably 30 times. It was so good. But what gets on my nerves is that I think this unwritten rule that because I teach all black children, because I'm a black woman myself, that all I have to do is find a book that has black kids in it. And now all of a sudden I am teaching African-American literature. Well, that's not the case. They also really do, in my opinion, need to know and to read the complex literature. It can be by Frederick Douglass. But it could also be by Jane Austen. It could be by, you know, Charles Dickens. The way that your brain has to work to process that old literature is something that I don't think, I think unfairly doesn't get awakened in some Black children. They get robbed, I think. They never knew anything about the French Revolution. They, we watched Birth of a Nation and we were using the comparisons of how 
the same kinds of things. Everybody gets angry and says, this isn't right. And that's why they revolt. So I wanted them to be able to see there's a, there's a world outside and there's these books, um, the Buford series, lower reading level, very high interest, but they would think, oh, we'll just give them this book. As long as it's got a black person in there, then it's great literature. Not true. That's just my opinion. I asked to speak with you today because of what you did with your innovation grant circle, but I do mm-hmm. want that. So the innovation circles for people who are listening, who don't know are only available to fund for teachers fellows. Yes. Who already received a fellowship. And so in 2017 is when you received your fellowship. Will you just touch on what you did around that revolution theme? And, and then we can kind of build off that. Yes. Yeah, so what happened is I was, t- I was talking about the book earlier that I found the book by Jennifer Donnelly. So I read that book. I literally, when I was reading it, felt like I was in Paris. The girl goes, the girls go, goes back in time. Like she goes, it's, I won't tell the story, but I read that and I thought this is going to be my roadmap all the places that she went. But I also wanted to go to London because, you know, like I said in my proposal, London and Paris go together like Jay-Z and Beyonce. You know what I mean? You you can't separate the two. So I was like, well, I'm going to go to both. And I want to just explore the writers around that time. I wanted to explore kind of what they were experiencing and what they were writing about. So I took those classics that I wanted those my kids to read and that I wanted to be able to go through with them together. And then I went there and what I did was while I was there, I would read a portion of the story, even if it wasn't a story that we read. So when I went to the Charles Dickens Museum, I just opened up the book and I read what? It was the worst of times. It was the best of times. You know, I just opened up and read that to them. And I mean, I just thought that was really cool to start off my store to start off my lesson with with them. And when you say yeah. read to them, were you filming yourself? Were you doing it over social media? How were you capturing this, documenting this for your students? Yeah. So it's so funny because it sounds like it's five, it's five years ago, but um so not that long ago, but Snapchat is really known now, but they had just got me into Snapchat. My students did. So I went on to Snapchat and I would go on there and I would read and my students, they love to follow their teachers. So I would go on there, I would read something and then I would stay, I would save what I would read. Sometimes I would use like a little filter, but I had to use something like that because I could do that on WhatsApp because I was out of, obviously out of the country. How many students would follow you? Like, Well, during that time that I was there, there was probably about 80 kids on there that were following me. Eight zero? Yeah. What I did is before I left those few weeks, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get a Snapchat. And then I would let the kids tell me how to do it. And then they would be like, okay, follow Miss James. Yeah. And it was really fun. When I was writing it, I was also talking with that class about it. By the end of the year, you know, I didn't have that same class next year. So they were kind of following me. But then the next year is when I wanted to do the actual lesson. But as I was writing it, I was so excited about what I was reading and all I was doing, I was kind of talking to the class that I had currently. That's the class that was really following me along while I was there. You said in your post-fellowship reporting that you planned on the music teacher was going to sing songs with the kids from Les Mis, and then you had some other things going on. What what came of the, the cross-curricular revolution? Absolutely. So she did. Um, she definitely did that because that was, uh, again, a lot of those things that I had to put in place were the year before, kind of even before I knew that I was for sure going to be, you know, selected. Um, So she definitely did. It was a very good thing to begin to talk about 
revolution? When is the right time to revolt? That was the question that kept coming up. That was the conversation that we kept having. When is the right time to revolt? How do you revolt? What do you revolt for? This is way before 2020 happened. Mm -hmm. So this is way back when, you know, before all of the uproar happened. So it was really, it was really good. And then I teach English and social studies. So I was able to merge the two together just in my regular teaching. So it was, it was really, it was really fun. I mean, it was something that was meaningful to me, which is something that I really uh, feel like even, you know, going, talking about the innovation circles is I feel like my biggest thing is I have to do what I love and then it trans transcends and makes sense to me. And then it transitions to my students. Yeah. You said that you can't teach what you don't know. And that is my pet peeve that gets on my nerves when one, when people period tell, try to lecture you or tell you about things that they have no idea about, like you don't even know what you're talking about. So when teachers do that, it bothers me because I'm like, you can tell they're not even really even excited about it. You can't teach what you don't know or haven't experienced. One, one thing that I loved about both of your proposals and one thing that we really try to reiterate to our people who are applying is to use your own voice um, because mm-hmm. otherwise it just is flat and don't try to write in a certain way or how you think we want it to appear. And I loved the voice that came through in both of your proposals. You already mentioned mm-hmm. some of the things that I just got so tickled when you said France and England go together like Jay-Z and Beyonce. And then, Mm -hmm. but then you also talked about even your own teaching and you said, I don't want to be a teacher who scarfs and barfs Mm -hmm. and how you scarf down material to try to tell your students. And then you just spit it back out to them Mm -hmm. and that you always wanted to be learning and, and learning something new. So I found myself again, surprised at your second proposal, your innovation grant proposal, Mm -hmm. um, because you said at first you were thought we had four different categories of innovation grants that were available. And you said you thought initially I'll just join the equity innovation circle because yeah. I'm black. I teach black students. And then you pivoted and you didn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and can you tell me why and what you did? So like you said, I like to learn. So that was the reason why I applied for a fund for teachers in the first place, because I knew that I could learn completely different from immersing myself, going to a completely different country, completely out of my comfort zone, trying something new. So I felt like over the last year or so, a lot of us had done a lot of work around equity. And not only had I experienced inequity in my life, I had had a lot of really good conversations with my friends and with my coworkers and with people who just wanted to learn and just, I had just seen people really be amazing. I know a lot of people have bad experiences with their friends and their people during 2020. I had a lot of really good experiences, a lot of really good learning and good conversation, feeling like people saw me just differently. And so I felt like I had done that. I had, I know what inequity feels like, what it looks like. I know how to create a more equitable environment for my students I feel like I'm really good at knowing my students and what they need and and what they need to propel and to excel. And, and so, when they need to revolt and why? And when they need to revolt, they can. Re- I told them y'all can revolt about anybody against me because you. I'm the only person that you can't revolt against. So <laughs> I just felt like this time I want to learn something new. And one thing that I feel like Fun for Teachers does is encourages you to go out of your comfort zone. 
So I said, let me step out of my traditional in control, know everything comfort zone. I didn't want to be the person in the group who knew everything, who was educating everybody. You know, I wanted to be the person who sat back and learned. And I didn't know a lot about mindfulness and yoga. I mean, I've done yoga, but not well. I didn't know a lot about just silence and meditation and all of that. And so I felt like I want to learn something new, experience something new that I think my kids need. And talk about your kids because the way that you described them was poignant and compelling and definitely made the case for the reason why you you wanted to pursue mindfulness and student well-being. I mean, if we just think about our middle school selves, I'd rather not think about my middle school self. Yes. I I have a picture of myself, a school picture of myself hanging up in my classroom from when I was in middle school, because I never want to forget what that was like. And that helps me to remember where all these kids are. But I cannot imagine our eighth graders right now at our school have never have not had they've they've their whole middle school experience has been colored by the pandemic in some way. They have not had a regular middle school experience. And so even before the pandemic, I realized that my students were struggling with cyberbullying. Um, that is the reason why they're the reason why I decided my kids are eight. There, no, you will not have a social media. I've already, I've already told my kids that you will not have a social media. I don't care. You can have a social media when you get a job and when you get your own plate. It's just not happening because I've just watched my kids. And when I say my kids, I mean my students. You know how we teachers are. I watched them go through so much bullying, so much body shaming. And I had one girl, two girls, one I knew really well, but the other one not as well, whose parent, her mother was deported. She's left here staying with a family friend and it worked out for the moment. Uh, but if anybody who has ever, I, I certainly have had to live with somebody else, you know what it feels like when you're there for a while and it works out, but then after a while, you're not really welcome or wanted anymore. After a while, they start rolling their eyes a little bit when you want to get some cereal too, or you just feel so uncomfortable. And I just watched the, the things that they go through. And then, then if you even expand it out, now expand it to the pandemic, COVID. I had a girl this morning, they called me out to go out on the bus to get a girl off the bus. She was not trying to be, we thought she was being defiant. Okay. So that's why they called me. She was not being defiant. She was terrified to come in the building, terrified that she was going to get bullied, that she was going to get covid that, you know, somebody said, well, she don't get off the bus and we're going to have to call the police on her. Afraid that the police are going to come. You know what I mean? Like sometimes they'll say little things to try to get kids to move. I don't think anybody really would have done that. But I mean, the bus driver needed to go pick up elementary kids. She's holding the bus up. Nobody, you know, the kids are not only are they resilient and amazing and funny and hilarious and teach, keep me, you know, keep me relevant. They keep me where I know all the slang and all the songs, but they are, and they are so smart and so insightful and resilient, but they are struggling. And I wanted to think of myself when I was that age, what did it feel like to come home to your addict mom? And it's not just urban schools, you know, it's not just urban schools. I babysat in the, in the suburbs and I saw a lot of mess, a lot of drama 
a lot of drugs, a lot of craziness. Don't get me wrong, but my kids is who I'm talking about. And I thought, you know, I could teach them. I think when I teach them certain books and I teach, give them certain writing prompts and have these great discussions with them, I think they do. It does set them up for life. But I think, how can I teach them to kill a mockingbird? Or how can I teach them, you know, the books that we're reading and they can't even think? Like, how do I sit here and figure out what Atticus is talking about when I don't even know when I go home, is my mom going to be there? I don't even know if she's going to be there. So I just felt like they're really, really struggling. They're afraid of police officers. They're afraid of white vans. They're afraid of their mom's boyfriend. They're afraid. And what could I do and learn about that could help them and that I could teach to them and help them not to be able to kind of let down the guard so that they can learn at school, but then also in their, in their life too. So what did you do this summer with your grant? Okay. So I, I heard a lot of teachers were like, oh, I'm going to go to a workshop on zoom. I was like, oh no, no, I am not going to workshop. What? I'm like, I am not going to a workshop on zoom. I will jump out the window. Like that's not going to happen. So I was like, I want to do something I want to learn, but I cannot go to a workshop on Zoom. So I was like, I thought through and I go, I need to do something that's going to be meaningful to me. Like I said, I won't even teach a book that I don't love. If I'm not obsessed with a book, I will not even teach it. I don't care what the district tells me to do. So I found this place down in Virginia. It's about a five hour drive for me. I'm in Columbus, Ohio. It's an education center. It's called Anahata Education Center. And you can come and you can sign up for different classes. You can come for healing, for therapy, for yoga. You do yoga twice a day. Um, You uh, learn about the Ayurvedic. I think that's how you say it, lifestyle. You learn about how to meditate. I learned to trust meditation. You learn about breathing and mindfulness and silence. You just take a step away from this busy, busy, chaotic world and you're alone. They have this huge forest they call Middle Earth. And you can just sit out there and just be quiet. And they take you through all of these. I mean, you sign up for whatever it is that you want to learn. So I went with my students in mind and thinking what I could teach them. But I felt like it changed my life, me personally, my own life from being there. I'm like, I got to go back, you know, next year. I'm like, I got to go back. So it was awesome. How do you plan on bringing that to your students, to your new, your, your new kids? So what I plan to do is not just for my students, it'll kind of be for the whole school. It actually worked out where another teacher, she just got her yoga certification and we have another, our guidance counselor, he's obsessed with yoga. There's a classroom that we have that we're using. They already painted the room lavender and yellow, and they are in the, we're in the process of decorating it. And we're going to turn that into we're going to let the kids come up with a name, but it'll be like a cool down room or a room to practice, you know, meditation and yoga. And there's two exercise bikes in there. So it's a place where they'll be able to watch different videos and, and definitely to cool down, but it's not the room where you take the kid who's tearing up the classroom and just got in a fight. They can go to the office, but the kids who want to breathe or want to just kind of release whatever fears or toxins that they're feeling. They can come into this room. Um, actually, we do have two um, yoga certified yoga teachers on staff. 
And so they have already said that they're going to help. We have every week we have these daily meetings that we're supposed to do. We've moved a lot of them to after school. So they have kind of like a free period too, that they can work in there. I'll be in there, but um, we're just still figuring out how we're going to make it work. We're just going to create a room where we can just do all things, mindfulness, yoga, um, not the state, it's not standards. It's stuff that we can, it's not the state standards. It's the stuff that we can help them to get rid of so that they can then even begin to think about the state standards. So I'm going to wind up, but is there anything that I have not asked you about that you were wanting me to, or that you think is important that you want to share either about this topic of student well-being and mindfulness or about just education post-pandemic where we are? Anything that, that you want to touch on? I think I will just say, just the thought that's coming to my mind right now is that we as teachers, I don't always think that we realize the power that we have. We spend so much time fighting our administrators, fighting with parents, fighting with students, whatever, but we have so much power. The fact that 25 years from now, someone that I will have long forgotten still remembers my name and something that I taught them is a powerful, powerful thing. And so we get 180 days with these kids and we may never see them again. And I think something that is really important for us just to remember is that our kids are really, 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 really struggling. They are struggling and we have the power to think of something very small that could save them. It might not, it doesn't have to necessarily save their life. It could, but it could save their day. It could save their moment. It could make them take a different route. It could make them breathe instead of cut themselves. Something that you say, And so I just encourage teachers to think about that, to think about their students, to think about them, the fact that you, it's almost like you've been assigned to these people for this little bit of time. And you have such a, it's such an honor and such, so much power in that. And I don't know, that's what, that's the way I do it. That's why I did this is because I felt like they're struggling who's going to help them? They're so small and little. Who's going to help them? If not me, then who? Who's going to help them? If if not us, then who's going to help them? Nobody. So I just think that focusing in on remembering why we got started. I like that you asked, why did you start teaching? Remembering why we started in the first place and just knowing our kids need help. They're afraid. We're afraid. That would be my biggest thing. You have tremendous power. And this is not about us. This is about the kids. It's not about our beliefs, our politics. It's not about what we think. It's about them. And I think that if we do that part, if we realize we have power and we could really, really change a student's life, a student will remember you. And when they're, when they're my, our age, they will remember you. I think that changes the way that you go into the classroom and the way that you continue learning to be your best self for them. And I appreciate Fun for Teachers for supporting us and letting us do that to be able to continue to be the lifelong learners we want our kids to be. It's definitely changed my life. We look forward to using this podcast to elevate more teachers as the inspiring architects of their careers, classrooms, and school communities. But you can learn from 9,000 Fun for Teachers fellows now by visiting funforteachers.org slash blog. Or check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 
And if you want to reach an engaged audience of educators, share your event or product in this podcast by becoming a sponsor. Connect with listeners as they tune in to be inspired by the groundbreaking work our fellows are accomplishing individually and in the classroom. Contact info at funforteachers.org for more information. And finally, thank you, Fun for Teachers fellow Rashawn James, for talking to us today about her students, her fellowship, her Innovation Circle grant, and most importantly, her belief in the power of a teacher. The book Rashawn referenced during our visit is Revolution by Jennifer Donnelly. And don't forget that our 2022 grant applications go live on October 1st at fundforteachers.org. I'm Carrie Caton. Thank you for joining us today at Fun for Teachers, the podcast. And until next time, keep learning.